It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's hot time. We had a hot time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. Both me and today's guest started our careers in corporate America before venturing into the entrepreneurial game and then transitioning into cannabis. Are you curious if you have the skills needed to support the growing cannabis industry or how you can transition your career into the cannabis space? Maybe you want a glimpse into the entrepreneurial journey before you decide. What conferences should you attend? Which relationships are important to build? If these are your burning questions, aw shit, sugar, I am excited for you to hear Podcast 82. Settle in, my friend, and maybe get out your notebook. It's time to get casually baked with Aster Farms. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke. I'm excited to welcome Julia Jacobson into the Casually Baked studio today. Julia with Astor Farms, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, when I heard your story, I thought you would be a nice addition to the can of curious chats we have on the show because you have a very unique corporate background that you're bringing into this Wild West, a little bit dysfunctional cannabis industry that we have going on. Absolutely. So um, tell me a little bit about you and your husband being serial entrepreneurs and moving into the cannabis space. Like, how did this all start? 
Yeah. So we both started in corporate. Um, I was a buyer for Bloomingdale's right after college. I was there for about four years. Sam was in uh, finance at J.P. Morgan, Bear Stearns when that collapsed. Um, so we had very straight-laced corporate jobs for at least about four or five years at the beginning of our career. Um, and we did not know each other at this time. Um, so after about four years at Bloomingdale's, I realized that influencers and Instagram and all of this digital advertising was beginning to speed up and that the normal buying cycle, which is purchasing products six to eight months out, was not lining up with it and that there were ways through affiliate marketing that we can start connecting some of those dots. Um, so I actually quit my job at Bloomingdale's. I, I called my parents first um, and talked to a couple friends who had done that themselves, um, but was not prepared at all. Um, so I quit my job and started my tech startup um, related to retail, of course. Um, and I ran that for about five and a half, six miserable years. Oh, no. Um, you know, it was exciting and it was fun. It was my first experience building a company and building a product. Um, you know, I brought my retail math skills, so I was really good at accounting because, believe it or not, um, buying for a uh, department store is really about math, not about taste in clothes or products. Um, so, you know, that was a really good piece that I could bring to the business. I um, got a co-founder who was technical. He was our CTO. We built a really small team. Um, but, you know, we didn't have things like health insurance or workers comp or, you know, in every way we were not operating like a normal professional business. Right. Um, so I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we got into the Techstars Accelerator Program um, and we actually moved to Austin, Texas for about four months to go through that. That's my home. Yeah. I love Austin. It was really wonderful living there. Yes. Um, but that was boot camp. So, you know, we were working 15 hour days and nights um, for four months straight. And so that was really my boot camp for becoming, you know, a businesswoman, um, an entrepreneur, understanding everything from not micromanaging your team to, um, you know, setting up all the proper legal boundaries to operate a company professionally, um, even down to, you know, how you ask somebody to be a mentor. And, you know, the appropriate relationship to have with a mentor. Right. So you this just was got this blueprint on how to do it. Oh, yeah. It was boot camp like never before. Nice. Um, so in 2016, which was the same exact time that Sam and I were starting to think about getting into cannabis, um, my company was actually acquired by Exo Group, which is the company that owns The Knot and The Bump. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually went and worked there for about a year and a couple months. And in reality, we were working on Aster Farms after work. <laughs> yeah, as one does. Exactly. You keep your day job while you're working that side well, hustle through. That is the smart way to do it. We I learned <laughs> after the first time. Um, and that is a big piece of advice for people interested in quitting their day jobs. Really get farther along than you possibly thought was possible after hours of your day job before you actually press go and quit. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I still keep mine. Now I have turned it into more of a side hustle so that I can afford to pay the people that I need to help me. But, you know, it's still 20 hours a week. Exactly. Exactly. 
So Sam had had a similar um, trajectory. You know, he was at in um, finance. He actually moved to New York and was at a Chinese investment bank. And um, when the market collapsed yet again, he decided he didn't want to go back to finance. He hated it. And, you know, it was just the right job for the right moment. Um, but he's really creative. And so he joined up with a friend and they started a creative agency or like a creative talent agency. So they would connect um, models with, um, you know, fashion shows and connect, you know, actors and actresses for commercials and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of transformed into executive production in general. Um, They actually parted ways in very good terms and both started their own production companies. Um, So Sam, for the last, you know, seven years of his life has been producing commercials, music videos, um, fashion videos, fashion shows, all of that. So um, both running his own company and also joining larger agencies. Um, So he's been doing big agency work for the last couple of years. Um, So he had a huge transformation, at least for me, I was going from retail to retail tech. He mm-hmm. was going from banking to running an executive production house, uh, doing music videos. He actually won a Can Lion for one of his music videos. So is this something that, you know, he was moving from the corporate job, the dream that he thought he was supposed to want to have to doing what he was truly passionate about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, then that makes all the difference. Exactly. And it was, you know, it was not easy. It was a roller coaster for both of us. Um, you know, when we, we started dating right when we were both launching our mm-hmm. businesses. Um, and it's tough. You need to be super dedicated to keep your schedule on track at all times. Um, financially, it's you have to be so careful about the choices you make. So, you know, at the beginning of our relationship, we were both getting to know each other and also leaning on each other as entrepreneurs just to kind of get through all of it. Yeah. I I kind of feel like I have that relationship marriage sort of thing with my, my bestie. She's a formulation scientist in the cannabis space and we're both, we feel like we're burning the candle at both ends and it's just sometimes we have a phone call at 545, six o'clock in the morning. Yep just so that we can be like, oh my God, today's going to be so hard and just like be there for each other for a hot minute and be like, all right, go get it, girl, and hang up and don't talk again for three days. That's awesome. (laughs) Yes. You need somebody like that when you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. You do. And so it sounds like the two of you have very complementary skill sets because one would think it would be challenging to work with a partner. Yeah. So, you know, we're both brand people. Um, you know, in our careers, but we're brand people from different sides. Um, I understand a brand on more like of a um, business financial um, model, and Sam understands it from the marketing sales creative perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're also extreme opposites in many ways. Um, I'm super type A, OCD. Um, you know, I do all of our financials. Sam is the one who makes sure we don't post something ridiculous on Instagram. He comes up with our ad campaigns. You know, he's he's doing all the creative. Mm-hmm. And one of the amazing things about working together is that we both got to know each other in this new way, in this professional way that we hadn't, even though we were both supporting each other, running our own businesses, now we're really in the weeds together. And so we've really been able to understand what the other person's skills are. And I think it's brought a whole new level of respect for each other um, by understanding our complementary skill sets and how well we work together to get it done. Well, and especially when you see someone 
in the moment, in the weeds, struggling with something and still getting it done, like that's pretty damn sexy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. (laughs) I'm glad to be the foxhole with you. Totally. Totally. (laughs) So let's break it down. For someone who's trying to move from one industry into cannabis, you know, I always talk about, you know, mastery is the most important thing. Like whatever you are great at, focus on that. So you know, my advice is always to people, whatever that is, whatever you love and you're great at, how can you use those skills in the cannabis space? So y'all have an interesting dynamic with the advertising and film piece of it, the retail piece of it, and the tech. So I'd like for you to kind of break that down and tell me how each one of those is playing as a strength um, as you're growing your business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'll start with Sam because that's a little bit easier. Um, You know, his experience, especially working for fashion brands and also like CPG brands that he did commercials for, um, he really understands how to position a brand. Um, and how to articulate that to the kinds of consumers that we want to be reaching. Um, so purely from an aesthetic level, um, we did work with a branding agency, a really close friend of ours from the fashion industry back in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and so together, um, Sam and this branding agency came up with everything that we are aesthetically, you know, our logo, um, our color scheme, all of these things that to me, you know, when I started my tech company, I didn't, nobody put a brand packet together for me. You know, like I made the logo myself and yeah. that was it. And yeah, and too. honestly, that was one of the biggest, um, it wasn't a downfall for me in running the company, but, but having a brand that you have positioned so right for who you are as a brand and what you stand for really makes a difference because as a brand, you're communicating through those kinds of collateral with your audience. And so it's it's really crucial. And especially for us, you know, we came into this industry to bring organic cannabis to the people um, and also discreet and sophisticated cannabis. Um, you know, we're not the, we're not candescent, we're not the Hermes of cannabis, um, but we produce local, clean, sustainably grown product that sits alongside the candescents um, and the Corovas of the world. Um, And so for us, we really wanted to articulate this, you know, um, passion for the outdoors and for our earth and for our communities. And, you know, and and so Aster Farms, the name, um, Asters are a native wildflower in Northern California. Okay. Um, and in terms of all of our branding, it's we have a mountainscape and a sunscape. Um, so it's I do really like that. I thought yeah. that was very clever. Yeah. So Sam did a really fantastic job, like using his branding experience and his um, marketing skills to create a brand for us. And that that is honestly like step one of us being in this business completely. And so there are there are people out there who are doing branding. You know, if that's something that you are skilled at, whether it's literally just doing photo shoots. Um, There are companies who are experts on doing nug shots, literally, like doing 360s and zooming in on the trichomes and everything. Like cannabis photography is an entire thing. Cannabis marketing is a whole thing. Cannabis advertising, because we can't advertise on Google AdWords or Facebook or Instagram, um, there are actually companies popping up that are ad networks of their own um, for cannabis. And I just slid a Google AdWords campaign through for the podcast. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's I, I looked at it today because they had first denied it and then I changed it to um 
Cannabis Conversations, Casually Baked, the podcast, Cannabis Conversations. And this time it went through. So Awesome. I've spent $179 on Google AdWords. Yay. <laughs> you might be the only cannabis company that did that. <laughs> We'll see so, how it yeah. goes. So, so, you know, on the creative side, you know, the thing about cannabis is it's an entire industry. Like think of the beer industry. You need packaging people. You need testing labs. You need branding companies. You need advertising companies. You need distribution companies. Um, you need people to go in stores and get other people to try your beer. So, um, you know, and this industry starting from zero. So people who have skills in normal things that they're doing at corporate jobs, this can absolutely be related to cannabis. And that's the way in. You know, if, if you have been in the advertising world and you've never planted a plant in your life and you say, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to go be a cannabis cultivator. That's not the right way. Yeah, in. exactly. You know, that's, the stakes are really high in cannabis. It's a huge opportunity. And so I would just say, like, the people who are making it in this industry are very high skilled. And, you know, one piece of advice, too, for someone like that, because I come from the marketing world. I have 20 years of experiential marketing experience. And if you have a brand, say you're somebody who's in branding, marketing, advertising, and there is a cannabis brand that you like, but you think they could step up their game and be a little bit better, reach out to them. Totally. Send them a note. Tell them. Totally. Like, push their pain points and tell them how you could fix it and get yourself a little freelance gig. Absolutely. Start building your portfolio that Absolutely. way. Absolutely. And you know, so as a tech company, we would get, uh, my old company, we would get so many inbounds. Oh, you know, we have great cloud saving storage, you know, opportunities for you. We have this new platform that does this. And it was just all like striking in the dark, you know, like you just, mm -hmm. every tech company might be able to use this service. So let's just send it to all of them. Um, in cannabis, it hasn't really started yet. You know, we do here and there get somebody saying, oh, we have great blockchain um, technology for your seed to sale program or something. But like we we're not at the place where we are just inundated with inbounds from people reaching out like that. And so we take them very seriously. When somebody reaches out, we respond. We always respond. We do due diligence. And mm -hmm. so because this industry is nascent, it is the right time now to reach out. And just write a note, you know, as, you know, we're hiring and it's tough to hire in cannabis. Um, and so, again, we're every, every cannabis company is looking for professionals. And that's one of the key things, real professionals um, who bring skills that are not necessarily cultivating cannabis, consuming cannabis. <laughs> yeah, organizational skills yeah. are really necessary and, yeah. and, and need to be introduced more so. I mean, yes. I'm... I just recently started producing a new show for a couple of millennial business gals. It's called Relevant Experience, coming out soon. Just a little plug. <laughs> and these gals are helping people be better in the office, like how to ask good questions, how to use your network, how to write a fucking email. I mean, these are skills that I need more of in the cannabis space. So if you are out there and you want to make the leap, <laughs> seriously, it's the water is is right. Yeah. <laughs> and and on that note, you know, because of regulations and compliance, 
being somebody who's incredibly organized and detail um, oriented Mm -hmm. is so important. And pretty much everybody on our team, no matter what role they're in, has to be that way. Because for marketing, for example, there are very clear clear rules around cannabis. Mm -hmm. And so you need to make sure that you have somebody who's paying attention to every detail, especially because it changes every month. (laughs) Something new is amended to the, you know, regulations. And now you have to go learn that and, and make sure that everything complies. So, well, and that's another good point because that kind of stuff gives me a headache. I'm an ancillary cannabis, so I don't have to worry about that. I can just commiserate with you and it's happening, you know, smoke a joint with you listen to your stories and you can keep me up to speed. I don't have to do it. Yeah. Because that that's a really tough part of the mm-hmm. business if you're going to be touching the plant is to make sure you keep your nose clean and your books clean and it's a lot of pressure. It's exhausting. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. And, and the, the kinds of no, the, the records that we have to keep and the security loophole or hoops that we have to jump through, they are unlike any other industry in this country. Um, so we are really held to a, a you know, standard that needs super professional OCD, detail-oriented. I mean, we talk to – we have five lawyers, five different kinds of lawyers, and we talk to them probably twice a week at least. Not not all five of them, but we have at least two legal calls a right. week. Um, you know, and, and then going into people, you know, jumping into this industry, there are also 68,000 farmers in California – who are growing. And the majority of them just know farming. And they live way out there and they don't know how to take their brand to market. Um, so hell, and a lot of them just can't afford to either. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, getting your license is very complicated. Um, it's a long process. There's a lot of bureaucracy. And so, you know, if you are somebody interested in getting into cannabis, there are opportunities if you come from more of a business side to pair up with these cultivators. Who, yes. And who help like, these farmers yeah, out. They're absolutely. the people who built this, who built this industry. Um, it was built on their backs and they're getting cut out of the equation. So, you know, if you are coming from that business side, try to find somebody who's on the other side of of the operation. Absolutely. I like that. So tell me how your retail experience has helped with you, you know, kind of working from clothing to now dealing with dispensaries and getting your products on shelves. Yeah. So when I was at Bloomingdale's, they actually put you through a couple different departments. So I st- I did a little training in home goods. I think I was, I was in fine China <laughs> and then men's shirts Aww. and men's accessories. And what they taught you was it doesn't matter what the product is, period. Buying is a skill. And so you're looking at the numbers, you're watching turn, you're negotiating, um, you're negotiating all kinds of, um, you know, back payments covering, uh, you know, markdowns that you had to do, et cetera. So, and, and it's also about uh, supply chain efficiency, understanding, you know, what a PO is, how long it takes for somebody to ship something from China versus something within the state. Um, and so, you know, I think for me, what I brought to this equation in terms of my retail background were things like the pricing market is really volatile right now. We cannot be a brand who's changing the price of a single strain five times in three months, which is, which there's a lot, you know, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope because everything is changing. You know, one month there are 5,000 cultivator licenses and the next month 4,000 of them have expired. 
And so there are only X number of suppliers and the prices change. Um, See, I don't have to buy weed in stores very often. Yeah. <laughs> so I am not, I, I apologize. I sound like an asshole right now, but yeah, I didn't know that, but that makes but, total yeah, sense, so, supply and demand. Exactly. So there was a lot of temptation to have real price volatility in our own, um, you know, wholesaling. And so that was something that I was able to bring from the retail industry saying like, no, we, even if we're losing some sales because somebody wants it $2 lower, us keeping a stable price gives us credibility. Yeah. It makes us look that. professional and it doesn't confuse the retailers that we want to have long-term relationships with. Um, same thing for there's been a lot of fire selling in cannabis. So the first fire sale was um, December before 2018. Yes. Because all of the people under the Compassionate Use Act who were cultivating, who knew they couldn't get legal, had to offload all of their product. Mm-hmm. And then the next um, fire sale was in 420, April of 2018, because on July 1st, new testing regs were coming out. Yes. And another whole batch of cultivators did not, they knew that they wouldn't be able to pass those regulations. Or people that had packaging that now needed exactly, to change. Exactly, exactly. And so the, again, there is a temptation to fire sale. You know, we um, were on the market during the beginning of 2018 and we refused to change our pricing. And when July 1st came, you know, we, we hedged our bets. And when July 1st came, we had compliant, safe, licensed product. And it was just an incredible boom into the market. Um, so those are some of the ways that I've been able to bring my retail experience. Um, also really understanding the financials of the supply chain. Um, and understanding how to optimize margins, where you can pull levers and where you can't, um, understanding the sell-through, how you look for turns at a store and and deciding, okay, is that store um, working for us or is there something that we need to do here to change it up? Yeah. You might think that $1,000 a month from one store is good, but then when you look at it compared to all of your other stores, it's it's you're putting too many resources in for the ROI that you're getting from that store. So those are some of the retail skills and insights that I'm able to bring to the business. Yeah, that's great because most people are probably flying by the seat of their pants unless they, you know, are able to find a distributor early to to help them. Um, You know, so tell me, what do you think some good pieces of advice would be for those people who, you know, I see that have created um, ancillary products like the little pipes or um, cute little ashtrays or t-shirts or, you know, all the ancillary stuff around cannabis. Um, what advice do you have for them since, you know, that is feels a little more retail because it doesn't necessarily have to be in a dispensary? Definitely. So I would say packaging is the most important category um, by far. It is what we spend the most money on every year. Um, packaging, there, there are such tight regulations around it, and not just in California, in all states that have cannabis. And because the regulations are so specific, we can't buy packaging from normal packaging companies. We are only able to buy packaging from cannabis-specific packaging companies. And there aren't that many. And none of them have biodegradable um, product. A lot of it is non-recyclable. And so, you know, that is one of the ancillary um, categories that there is huge opportunity in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what I would I would suggest is uh, sign up for MJ Biz Daily, sign up for Daily Dose, start paying attention and reading every article about what's happening in this industry because things change really quickly. Um, an example is 
We have sweatshirts that have Astor Farms logo. We have, we have swag, right? Every brand yeah. has swag. Um, the BCC, the Bureau of Cannabis Control, recently decided that you cannot sell any of your swag unless they have approved it. What? Yeah, it's not cannabis. It's a sweatshirt. But now the BCC has to approve it. So we This is unbelievable. Yeah, it's How is un, that gonna be? It is enforced? unbelievable. I I have no idea. It's unbelievable. So, you know, we gathered up all of our swag images and everything and we sent it off to the BCC to get approved. And I think we did that maybe four months ago and we still haven't heard back. Um, so we give away swag. We have not sold any swag, um, but we have fans outside of California who can't buy our product who want to buy a sweatshirt. Um, it also makes it possible for us to get uh, federal trademarks if we have products that are not cannabis um, with our logos on them. Right, so, that's what I did. So there are these little changes that happen in the regulations that don't just affect the cannabis companies. It affects the ancillary business, businesses in a big way. And so I think the most important thing is really educating yourself and staying on it. Sign up for every cannabis newsletter you can. Read every article you can. If you have Apple News Feed, sign up for cannabis and marijuana on there. Um, and just really pay attention to what's happening and, and look for those opportunities. Um, I would also say that, you know, the market is changing. So, um, you know, the, the consumer today, Gen X and baby boomers, and especially women, are the top consumers in cannabis right now. And that that's the market that's growing. And so, you know, if you do have an ancillary business, pay attention to who the new consumer is. Um, you know, a dab rig is gr great, but like that market is not growing. <laughs> so. Right. And, you know. Very women, loyal market. Very loyal market. <laughs> yes, they absolutely are. And they have a really loud voice and presence on social yes. media. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is these the women are the power spenders anyway right. in every sense of the word. And so now to see them getting okay with, you know, cannabis being normalized, it is. It's so important to speak directly to women and seniors. Yes. Yes. We we have a couple strains that we've called our senior strains. <laughs> um, so we, we actually, we grow a lot of like old school strains. Um, so Maui OG, which is Maui Wowie Cross. Um, Maui OG is one of our senior citizen strains because A, they remember Maui Wowie from the 70s. Uh -huh. B, it always tests around like 14 or 15% THC. It's purple. Um, and so it's not too intense. And three, the effects are really radiant and happy. So they have a good time. So we call that our senior citizen strain. Um, but that is a very important market. Your senior citizen strain would be my work weed. Yeah. Like that's the no, kind yeah. that's how I stay casually baked and creative. It's just kind of exactly. that low level THC. Exactly. And we, so we have a sunscape too. We always tell you the strain and whether it's sativa, indica, hybrid, we give you all of the information as a consumer so you can make your choice. Um, but we do have an effect symbol. Um, so there's sunrise, radiant, sunset, moon moonlight, and outer space. I like um, that. So radiant is our Maui OG, um, and it is the date. It is what we suggest for daytime. If you need to tackle a project or, you know, be creative or just be radiant. Yeah. I like being radiant. Yeah. So um, do you also include the terpene profiles on your packaging so we have not, okay. um, but we, so we grow in ground, in live soil. 
um, and our property, the soil has been optimized over eight to 10 years. And so terroir is a very real thing for us. Mm -hmm. And turpins, um, most of our, our strains test over 2%, upwards of 2.5% in turpins, which is very high. Um, we had one strain that came in 3.7%. That was our Durban poison last year. Oh. Um, so turpins are important to us, and we also believe in the powers of them. I mean, if you just think about aromatherapy, lavender helps you relax. It's a science. Um, right, and, and, and so, which is why I want people to be able exactly. to use that during their shopping experience. Exactly, exactly. So that's something that we we have Terp, terp Talk Tuesdays um, at the company. Uh -huh. So it's something that we want to start incorporating back in. We are learning more and more about it every day ourselves, and we are starting to talk about it with our community. Um, but it's something that we want to eventually build into our actual product experience. Yeah, and I think that the people that really understand cannabis are the ones that can start pushing the envelope and being the ones that are like, hey, this this should be on exactly. the packaging. Like we need to set the standard for how people should be able to shop for their medicine. Exactly. And, and that also goes towards all the other cannabinoids. Um, it's not just CBD and THC, CBG. Right. CBG is like the stem cell of uh, cannabinoids. It's, I call it the, it's the mother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so if you harvest at the right time with the right strain, you can get a bunch of CBG um, in that profile. Mm -hmm. And CBG has... Um, it's a, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, it, it, vacillator, vena vacillator. So it, Dial vacillator. Yeah. It um, opens up the mm -hmm. um, blood vessels mm -hmm. in your brain. So it helps with things like migraines, which I suffer from. Um, it, CBG helps with glaucoma, takes away a lot of like ocular pressure. Um, so CBG in and of itself is super important and, and people are learning more and more about it every day. Mm -hmm. um, that's not even something like, so, so with the regulations, we have to tell the THC, we have to tell the CBD. Nobody has told us that anybody cares about CBG. We do. Yeah. And so there's so much to learn more about and to educate our consumers and to start, you know, like raising a flag about, you know, this is important. People should start looking into the other hundred cannabinoids. Yeah. And, you know, it, the thing that I always joke about being the founder and CEO of Casually Baked is that I have an idea in the shower. I can get out of the shower in my robe, come over to my desk and make a change to the website or right. to send a note to a designer to add something to, you know, a logo or tweak something. You get to make decisions fast. Exactly. So it's like, even though everyone else isn't doing this, I have the authority to make this happen. Exactly. For my company. We're actually about to start a blog um, and we have somebody who's studying plant biology. Um, she's getting her master's degree in it, actually specifically on the endangered aster flower, which is a total coincidence and completely hilarious. Um, but we as a company do plan to be putting out more scientific information, more education about social injustice, um, more education around safety in cannabis. Um, so we really care about education and that's a big initiative that we're going to be launching very soon. Nice. And always feel free to share. Yeah, absolutely. We will. <laughs> oh, we absolutely will. <laughs> So I want you to tell me about Harry's Harvest. Yeah. It was a really sweet story, and I like what you're doing, and so I'd like to hear it from you. Great. Thank you. So um, our farm was hit in the Mendocino Complex fire this year. So on July 27th, 12 p.m., 12 noon, uh, the fire broke out about a mile down the road from us. And for about three days, we prepped the property. Um, our director of cultivation actually owns the property and lives on the property with his family. 
Um, so we prepped for three days, making sure the sprinklers on the roof of the house, on the garage, on all the different buildings were working properly, that our water tanks were filled as high as they could. Um, and so on the third day, on that Sunday, we had a mandatory evacuation. Um, and in that kind of crazed moment, we were looking for all the farm animals um, because it's a farm. They're outdoors. Mm -hmm. They are not like locked into the kitchen where you can find them and put it, put them into a crate. Um, so we found the farm dogs. We found one of the cats. Um, and Harry was one of the cats that we couldn't find. And he was one of everybody's favorites. Um, and it was really one of the most horrible experiences I've ever had. Um, searching mm -hmm. and knowing that time is is up, basically, and that you just have to leave. Yeah, um, it's really horrible. Yeah, and so I, I just, I never want to experience that again. Um, so Harry's part bobcat, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> so we hope that he is just far off somewhere. Um, alive and living a really badass life. Yeah. And maybe one day he'll come home. Um, but so, you know, we always wanted to support our community. Um, Lake County is one of the poor counties in California. There's a really high opioid addiction per capita in Lake County. Um, and so we always wanted to give back. And when the fire hit us, the community gave back to us. Um, so uh, Top Hat Nursery in Salinas donated us 400 plants. Um, our distributor drove those plants up and unloaded them at 9 o'clock at night in pitch dark because our whole farm had burned down, so there was no light anywhere. We had headlamps on. <laughs> I had chills. Yeah, and so, and, and, you know, neighbors came and were setting up, like, trap cams and food, these really f interesting food the traps for the cat and every, everyone was looking for Harry. Um, and so we wanted to give back to the community. And the interesting thing about being a cannabis company and giving back is organizations that take federal funds cannot accept your money. Okay. So one of the of organizations yeah. that was really there the most for Noah and his family in terms of building back their their home and their life, um, that organization couldn't take our funds. Um, but when it came down to it, you know, we, we realized was the firefighters, the local volunteer firefighters, they are the ones that we owe a huge amount of gratitude for. Um, it's not their day job. Yeah. They're volunteering. They live in the same town, so their house could be burning down while they're running to your property to help. Um, and they rely on donations. And so we decided, we, we named our give back product after Harry, Harry's Harvest. Um, it is a five pre-roll pack of half gram joints. Um, and for every purchase, we donate $2 back to the Hopland and Lakeport uh, local fire volunteers. I love that. And, you know, we're going to continue Harry's Harvest, um, not just for fire relief, but for other causes that we really care about and to help our community. Um, and we're also talking about, you know, dispensaries in Malibu who want to give back to the Malibu volunteer firefighters. Mm -hmm. So um, this is going to be a program that and product that we continue and, and really build on. Right on. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Um, yeah, because right now, too, we have the, the flooding issue that has exactly. happened in Sonoma County. Exactly. So how is Lake County and, and your farm and the farms and, and the community around you, how, how, 
have they bounced back or have they bounced back? You know, so in the last four years, 50, it's either 52 or 56% of Lake County has burned down. Whoa. Yeah. There have been a few huge fires that really destroyed um, Lake County. So luckily we're up on a hill. Um, so in terms of like the flooding and some of the mudslides that are happening lower down, um, we're kind of safe from that. Um, Noah is a skilled agriculture botanist who knows how to get, you know, seeds in the ground so that we have roots to hold on to our soil and mm-hmm. um, doing erosion control properly. Um, so we were able to bounce back, but a lot of people have not been able to. Um, and so, you know, we've seen a lot of properties go up for sale. Um, especially in these burned scar areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are displaced from their homes. Yeah. Um, you know, even right, our two of our neighbors, everything was gone. And that was their whole life. Yeah. And so, you know, at least Sam and I live here in Oakland and um, Noah had friends and family he could stay with while he started rebuilding his temporary home and then his you know, full-time real home in the future. Um, but a lot of people have not been able to bounce back like this. Um, and, and you know what? The Mendocino Complex fire, it was the biggest fire in all of California history, but it was not the most deadly or destructive. Only about 200, we were very unlucky, only about 200 structures actually burned. Um, most of the burn was in um, forest and, you know, more remote rural land. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the campfire, that was utter, complete, total destruction. Yes, yes. And it so was. you know we are doing. We are totally okay <laughs> if you look at it in the scheme of things. So and all the more reason to purchase Harry's Harvest and support absolutely support local firefighters and local volunteers in general. There's always yes. something going on, and you know I talk about being a, a cannabis Sherpa in your community, but just being a a point of light in your community, however it needs to be shown at that moment. You know, it's so important. Exactly. And, and, you know, building close relationships with your community, you know, even if you're just thinking about like business, it's good for your business. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we now know the firefighters and they know us and we like them and they like us. And those are good people to know in your community. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's important to build those connections. And that's actually a great segue into networking. Mm-hmm. Because that is a huge piece of making it in the cannabis space is you, people have to know you. People have to trust you. This industry is like a, a pretty close-knit family. Yeah. And so, you know, networking, finding finding um, events to go through based on, you know, those newsletter recommendations that you said and, you know, putting alerts on your on your phone for Google searches or, or not Google searches, Google alerts, yep. just to know what's going on, get out there, talk to people, get some business cards printed up, yep. like take baby steps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, to that trust point, Noah once said, because we were hiring, um, we were hiring some packaging people and we wanted people who had experience packaging. It's very tedious. It takes a long time. You have to have attention to detail. Um, And he said to me, he goes, you know, when they know where you are, they know where you are. You know, as a, as a cannabis cultivator, we have a crazy amount of security, but you know, when they know where you are, they know where you are. And so the vetting that we have done 
um, a lot of our hires have been local and connected to people that we know and trust really well. Um, but that's an interesting and scary piece of the puzzle for the cannabis industry. And, and more so, of course, for us as cultivators than, um, you know, some of the other business plant touching businesses in the industry. Yeah. Um, but for networking, so yeah, there, there is a grower associ- growers association in almost every county. Um, especially larger counties. There's, I believe, like a Northern California Growers Association, Southern California. So just look up all of these organizations. The C- if you're if you're in California, the CCIA, the NCIA, um, Cal Growers Association. Go on the CDFA and Cal Cannabis and sign up for their alerts. Go on the Bureau of BCC, Bureau of Cannabis Control, sign up for their alerts. Um, and, you know, there are some big, big conferences. The MJ Biz Daily does a huge conference every year. Um, there's the New West Summit. Um, there's Hall of Flowers Trade Show, the Emerald Cup. Um, and then there are new programs like uh, She Can, um, which was just held at Berkeley School of Business, mm-hmm. um, all about women and cannabis. Um, yeah. And we were one of the sponsors of that and participated. But, you know, there are both completely free events to go to. And then there are also ones that cost $800 a ticket to attend. Right. Um, And so just everybody's there networking. It's a brand new industry. So it's, you know, there is an old school network, but at the same time, this is a brand new industry. And so everybody's meeting everyone. And it's, it's a weirdly, um, friendly and supportive community. Like there really isn't competition yet at least, or like competitive bad vibes in the right, industry. Right, right. There's room for everyone right exactly. now. Exactly. And I will say that there's one thing to network, but there's it's a whole other thing to follow up and follow through. Absolutely. So someone may be completely charming in person, but they never follow up an email. And so you be the person that follows up. You be the person that sends the emails. And I'll, I'll add to that, you know, as a growing company, so for instance, Headset. Um, Headset is a, a POS data source. We could sign up for a subscription and get incredible data about what's being sold all across the country, what demographics, blah, blah, blah. We just, we're a small company right now. We just can't afford those huge data subscriptions. But we want Headset to email us every three months and remind us and ask us, are you ready yet? So, you know, there are a lot of these services that are ancillary um, that, you know, just don't give up. Email us a million times because it changes every day. And if we're not interested or it's not right for us today, it might be in the future. So don't give up on people. All right. I appreciate that's a good That's a good tip to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for hanging out, Julia. And now I feel confident enough that I could smoke a joint with you if you want. (laughs) Awesome. Let's do it. (laughs) Thank you for having us. Absolutely. (laughs) I hope my and Julia's insight has given you a big picture view of transitioning into the cannabis business. If you want to continue your research, I'll include helpful links in the show notes for cannabis organizations, conferences, and business educational opportunities for you to consider. And if you need a little bit of brainstorming to get you kickstarted into thinking about your next move in the cannabis space, I am an excellent mentor for people needing to brainstorm ideas and figure it all out. You can schedule an appointment with me on the homepage of casuallybake.com. There is a big gray schedule appointment button at the top of the page. 
I hope you'll share this episode of the podcast with, you know, your cannabis-loving friend that always gets high and talks about one day quitting this shithole job and starting a cannabis business. (laughs) We've all got one of those. Do them a favor and turn them on to Casually Baked, the podcast. Next week, we'll crank this business party up one more notch with Luke Zimmerman, cannabis IP attorney, for you gondrepreneurs trying to make it legit. In the meantime, have you explored the video version of the podcast? It's a completely unedited version of the show if you're into that sort of thing. And as always, you social butterflies can find me at Casually Baked on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I love getting your notes and thank you for those brands who reached out last week after me asking who I should talk to. Be proactive. Let me know if you're out there. I want to hear from you. All right. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for hanging out. Together. Yes, Have you visited casuallybakes.com in a while? It's one-stop shopping for can of confidence and where you'll find the podcast audio, video, and show notes in one place. Boom! Together. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. La Osa is in the house capturing and editing the video version of the podcast available on YouTube and channel 203 on Cannabis Club TV. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're finding your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.